0: Hello everyone, welcome to Inspected Goals, the pod that aims to improve our FPL play through a more analytical approach. I'm joined as usual by my co-host Sam. Sam, how's it going, mate?
1: I'm very well, thanks, mate. Yeah, um, yeah, I probably enjoy the international break a little more than most. i quite quite a, quite a big fan of international football, uh, despite England not playing particularly well over the last three games, but um, I'm all good. Yeah, how about you, mate?
0: Yeah, I'm um, thoroughly checked out. To be honest, I just take it a back seat. I don't watch any international football anymore. I learned that a really, long yeah. time ago. That <laughs> I just I don't enjoy it, so I don't watch it. Um, I literally watch them at tournaments. I'm a proper casual international fan these days.
1: Too um, much, too much heartbreak, or you don't enjoy the because it's not the the standard isn't as high as the Premier League or the Champions League, for example.
0: Yeah, I think it's a bit of both, really. I, I don't know. I think when you watch the teams in the Premier League, we're kind of spoiled. I mean, the, the level of tactical um, analysis, I was going to say, but it's not the right word. The way the team's set up, the the approach, how they're drilled in their passing pans, everything has obviously clearly been worked on for a very long time. They have very clear identities, and I just don't think it's really fair for international teams. They just get thrown together. They get a couple of weeks, and it's just a mismatch of people. Um, and I know maybe, maybe people will say, you know, this manager's been in charge for four years or whatever. I still don't think it's any good when it's bit part, you know, just sort Mm. of coming in and out. And um, yeah, I just think obviously a lot of the time we're playing against far worse opposition. And then occasionally we'll play against opposition. That's kind of like it. And I don't know, it just doesn't really do it for me. I don't know why, obviously the tournaments I absolutely love, but it's also just to get a bit of a break, I suppose, because yeah, busy life. So it's hard to keep up with it all.
1: I get it. I got it. I think that's one of the things people don't appreciate about international football is that just lack of coaching time in general. Uh, and maybe that potentially being one of the reasons why we play conservatively um, and why so often teams that aren't, well, I suppose aren't particularly easy on the eye win tournaments, unless you have a, an era like you have with Spain, 2008 to 2012. There are other examples of teams who are like, they're good and maybe they play messy football, but they managed to to win. I don't know, like Portugal winning the Euros, for example. Uh, even like in the World Cup, Italy nearly lost that semi final to, to Spain as well. They were sm- smashed in that semi-final in the Euros. It's just very, uh, yeah. With it being knockout football, it can be very random in terms of results as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's um, yeah, it's it's just so different, isn't it? And even yeah. like even in terms of the Champions League, you have a bit more, well, there's less chance of that having an impact because you have the two legs as well, with it just being one-off games. Yeah, but that part of the excitement of it. But I can I understand what you mean by that though as well.
0: Yeah, the last time, I mean, I used to, when I was younger and I had more time, I'd, I'd watch it a lot more. But generally, Spain, that's the last team I really enjoyed watching. Obviously, that era where they won like two or three tournaments in a row was just, I loved watching it. I know that wasn't for everyone, right? I saw loads of people going, oh, it's so boring watching this ticky-tacky football. But I love that stuff, to be honest.
1: Yeah, and it's easier for them because the majority played for the same team at Barca. It was, almost, it, was, it was almost Barcelona without Messi and with Ramos, for example, and Casillas. And you know, Germany teams as well in the past you've had basically the majority playing for Bayern Munich, for example.
0: Mm. So I
1: think that's why yeah, another thing that people maybe don't appreciate as much with England is just have the complexity of that in having to it's not as simple as just putting the best eleven players on the pitch in terms no. of the best performing at club level. So yeah, but um yeah, I I still enjoy watching it. And yeah, similarly to you also love the um love the tournaments as well. Looking forward to it.
0: Definitely, England is becoming more and more Man City, though, aren't they? they seem to be buying all the English they could. That's potentially true. put out nearly an eleven from City, I suppose, mixed in with Liverpool. Plus, you know, even with yeah. Phillips, when Phillips is back. Um, well, interesting,
1: so... yeah. Interesting to see if Phillips goes will not, it? because when he gets back from injury, well, prior to his injury, he obviously would have been. he was in the starting eleven, wasn't he, in the last Euros? But it's not just the fact he's coming back from injury, but also even prior to his injury, the lack of game time. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there.
0: Definitely will. Right, should we move on from England's woes? Did they end up winning that game? I don't even know what happened. Was it 3-3? <laughs> uh, they drew 3-3, uh, And right.
1: okay. goalkeeper error and then it's happened.
0: Yeah, people slagging my man Pope. I like Pope. You, I didn't yeah. watch the game. Yeah, I think he's a good goalkeeper, but apparently he was terrible. So. <laughs> um, anyway, what were we going to say? We were going to talk through our teams briefly. Um, it's been a long while ago, as usual, because uh, we just seem to get breaks all the time in FPL at the moment. I wildcarded last week and um, And in terms of that individual week, I did pretty good. Um, What did I actually get? 74 points, which I think was... That's very good. Yeah, the average was 50. Mm. Um, The team was actually quite generic, but I went for the De Bruyne and Issac route. I think most people maybe went Kane, and I can't remember who they had in midfield. Maybe Bowen instead. Yeah. So it was fairly equal considering most of those guys probably put the captain's armband on Kane. So mine was on Haaland. So overall, it wasn't too much difference there. My main thing was picking Patterson, which I did um, just simply as a filler, really. I I liked him as the filler option uh, further down the line and would play in 12. I didn't really expect him to get a clean sheet this week. But um, he managed to get it, but then obviously subsequently has got injured along with Isaac. So uh, straight after my wild card, uh, where I had planned transfers all the way to 16, obviously never anticipated I would actually be able to go through with all of those. But they were in my mind, but they're straight out the window already because I've got two injuries um, and probably have to have to do something about that. So, yeah, decent week. Team's looking pretty template. Part of what we're going to look at this week is looking at what the Game Week 9 wildcard would look like, because I think that's quite mm-hmm. popular in the community at the moment. And having looked at the review team and my team, there's it's not too dissimilar, so pretty happy with going early. Um How did you get on?
1: Yeah, well, you must have had a big green arrow for that.
0: Um, Yeah, I never look at live and how much of a big arrow, but I'm sat at 40k at the moment, so yeah, well, wow. doing right.
1: There, that's brilliant um I'm <laughs> nowhere near you I'm still just outside the top million but had a really good game week finally not not nearly as good as yours but it was good because I didn't wild card and I managed to save it uh, it was a funny one because I, I was in quite a, oh I, I chatted about it on the last podcast so I won't go into too much detail but essentially I could play uh 11 players with a minus four which I did to Captain Kane so that that paid off which was great I ended on 64 minus 4, so 60 points, which got me a, a hefty green arrow when I didn't expect one at all because of so many people wildcarding. Mm. So I went from about 1.8 million to about 1.2. And it's only just, a, in fact, it's only a bit over the average, isn't it? So it shows how close it still is. Um, but yeah, more importantly, it it's set my team up really well now. It's not dissimilar to a lot of wildcard teams. And I'll hold that wildcard until game week 13 is my plan uh, at the moment, unless anything goes disastrously. In, in classic FPL fashion, one of the funny things that happened was I... I basically could have played 11 without a hit, uh, but, but the reason I took the hit is because if I hadn't played, if I had taken the hit, I'd have had to start Reed.
0: <laughs> who oh, my then God.
1: got 10 pointers. He was sat first on my bench. Um, but I took a minus four to not play in. But thankfully, that minus four meant bringing in Kane and captaining him. So I think overall it worked out at a similar score, and I managed to um, get my team in a better place moving forward. So overall, that worked out okay. Um and I think, yeah, quite in a neutral position because to, on, on the podcast today, obviously we'll chat through a bit more around game week nine wildcard, even though neither of us are on it. And I think my position is probably fairly unique, but I've chatted to a few other people who are also looking at game week 13. And the, the advantage there is the City and Arsenal blank, particularly in 12, uh, and City also playing Liverpool before that. Uh, and Arsenal's fix is not being great around now. So it makes it easier to sell the Arsenal players, sell City players even in that last game week. Um maybe not even worry about bringing Salah in immediately where some people need to try and find a transfer to do that. Um, But I can hold off and then in 13, bring back in. uh, It'll probably be triple Liverpool, triple City and triple Arsenal at that point. Mm. Um, We'll look at the fixtures in a moment. And yeah, from 13 onwards, those three just look absolutely brilliant. So I think at that point, I'll have a big advantage only for four game weeks, which is quite unusual for a wild card. But it's just a bit of an odd season, isn't it? With the... uh, Definitely. With that, that forced wildcard in 16. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm far more pleased with where my team is now, having been able to hold that. Um, and I think I'm going to be rolling the transfer probably this game week uh, and then see where I'm at. See so see whether I'm brave enough to take out Arsenal players because they play Liverpool, but then they've got Leeds. So it's a tricky one knowing whether I'll then remove Saka straight away, for example, to bring him back in in 13. Yeah. Uh, or It's an it's... interesting one.
0: It's strange because we I, I don't think we should really care about one individual game that much, you know, if you're selling and buying players back, because it's a lot to invest in one game and a transfer, isn't it? Especially when you consider value lost and stuff. But when you're playing, I think I mentioned it last week, and James Owens is the one who hires me, although we try to play this in an analytical way, it's more of a cash game that we're playing at the moment than a tournament to, to sort of reference poker with these short little eight-week stints or sometimes four-week stints or whatever because of the way we've got a chip halfway through. Means that it lends itself to that kind of style, I think, where we are focusing our transfers as long as we don't get injuries and stuff on how can we make it optimal for every individual week. So to the point where we're removing an Arsenal player for just because they're playing Liverpool one week. Whereas before, I wouldn't even think about doing it. If it was like a stretch of five games and they one bad fixture, you'd just ride that one out, wouldn't you? I mean, mm. there's there's obviously um, a decent chance Arsenal could score in that game the way Liverpool have been defending recently and the fact that Arsenal just seem to be a very good team. So, very interesting. I'm going to bring up the team ratings here from uh, FPL Chase. If you guys aren't following him already, make sure you, you do so because he's putting out a load of good stuff. So, um, we've got the expected goals conceded or clean sheet predictions, basically, across the the last the next eight weeks, so game week nine to game week 16. This takes into account their fixture strength and the strength of the team, so it is um, scaled. So, you've got Man City, despite having a blank in game week 12, still right at the top at 3.29 uh, expected clean sheets over that period.
1: Um, That's hard,
0: it? It is mad, but their defensive stats are just yeah. obviously insane. Um this is why I think just right off the bat and it's been all season, Cancelo or a man City defender in general, it's just a very good idea to have in your team despite the blank. Um, whether you sell for that blank, whether the other the player to cover in 12, I don't, really, I don't really think it matters too much. I just think that having one is probably a pretty damn good idea. Um, likewise with Liverpool, they are still right up there. Um, you know, the data hasn't dropped that much. We looked at it last week. They've obviously got Matic back and their fixtures are a little kinder now as well. So although Trent might be just out of reach at the moment for some, but those on wildcard, I think, are very much looking at him either this week. or we still got uh, him, mate. And you've still got him, exactly. <laughs> so I'm jealous. I'm jealous, to be honest. I'd love to have him. Um, I don't. I have. To, I do have a plan to get him. But I, I still think he is still a pretty damn good idea, to be mm. honest. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just aside from that, we've got Palace in third, I think, which... Um, we talked about that last week as well. They've not been as good as they probably should have been. They have had extremely tough fixtures, but now they go on a very kind run and they've got some fairly favourably priced players. So maybe they can offer those filler spots. You know, like the, I've got Patterson, who's now injured. I think Nico Williams' people are realising Forest aren't particularly good defensively. Mm-hmm. For just a little bit more, you can start to fill those spots with um, with lo- the likes of Palace defenders. I don't know if you think that's maybe a good idea or not, but yeah. the data here seems to suggest so.
1: Yeah, and they've got um, Guayi, Guay, I think you pronounce it. He's gone down in price again, hasn't he, to 4.7 now, I think. Um, which, yeah, which, if you can get a Palace defender at that price, price, that price that's ridiculous. An interesting one is for wild wildcarders, I wonder if any of them are considering Guayta, um as well. Um, could be an interesting option also. Um, and then in terms of the bottom half of that table... I don't think there's anything of note, really, because I don't think many people will have owned defenders from those, even if you've even if you got that, those bottom 10 teams, apart oh. from the Leicester keepers. Uh, maybe some people have, have paths now, but that's fine because he's cheap. That's the reason. Uh, and obviously, Williams, you're not buying him to start every week. Um, or if you are, maybe now's the time not to. Um, it's only really like the Brighton players, I guess, quite a few might still have Dunk, for example, and it's time to just maybe move on from them or maybe not consider Sanchez up until 16 if wildcarding.
0: Yeah, cool. Someone in the chat saying Gaze 4.3. Yeah, 4. yeah uh, well, yeah. I yeah.
1: knew he, he would come down by that amount. Well, I, I think he'd started at 5 and moved down, but he's gone down to 4.3. That's Yeah, that just seems like an absolutely no-brainer to me, if you're wildcarding.
0: It, it does seem like a nice filler option. I haven't mm. seen him in many teams, to be fair. I do like that. Um, some of the teams that have been a little bit iffier on the form near the top there, so Spurs, West Ham, Chelsea. Obviously, there's a bit of an unknown around them. And Newcastle still seventh. A lot of people have Newcastle defenders hanging around from from last week and just they've still got a, a couple of decent games left I think of their run and it's a bit up and down to be fair but mm. they're useful in a few of them.
1: I think even those people who like triple because I know some people tripled up on Newcastle events uh, say something like uh, just just teams I've seen on Twitter or people I've chatted to but mm. I think most people who did that didn't do that planning to, to play all three every week did they It's normally just playing one or two of them so it's not too much of a concern, and generally they're near the top, and it means in those weeks where they because it's so up and down. And for example, game who do they play in game week twelve with that zero point five? I wonder. Um, but well, anyway, in in weeks like that, that's where you you can maybe play two or three of them. So
0: home to Everton that week, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, makes sense.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Um, yeah. Um, and another thing, just to add on Palace as well is obviously a lot of this is to do with fixtures, but we know how good they were defensively last season, which we've mentioned on almost every podcast, I think, as mm. well, so far. So there's I think there's good reason to uh I think I think many who wouldn't even use, usually use a kind of data driven approach and would just look at goals conceded last season and look at their fixtures are going to go for, for palace defenders. Like I think it makes sense whichever way you look at it to try and get one in there.
0: I think when there's one at four point three million is worth yeah. spending it rather than one of the cheap ones like they so don't even have to play them every week. I think mm. I think that's fine. Um Let's move on to goals predicted. So expected goals on average per team. Uh, again, it's scaled in the same way. So right at the top, unsurprisingly, in some cases, despite their fixtures, we have the best attacking teams in the league. They seem to generate the most uh, expected goals and um, there's no real reason to to jump off these guys, really. Um, I think the game week 12 blank, as mentioned for the defence, obviously forces a couple of issues. Um but outside that, it's much of the same, I think, really. Um there's a few other teams mixed in, which I think for the mid price mids, which we're going to discuss about in a, mid- in a in a bit, um, with some of the teams in the mid bracket there, like Leicester, obviously with Madison, etc. But yeah, the rest of the rest of the big boys are still right up the top, and Man City again, right on top, despite missing a game, which is um it's just mind blowing, really. <laughs> they can still be
1: even even Arsenal in fourth with missing a game as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, it shows the disparity really. I think in the in the quality of the teams at the top compared to the rest of the league at the moment. Fulham Fulham
1: for them, for them are surprising there, aren't they? Seventh, like the, the the highest team outside the top six.
0: Yeah, the fixtures are just so good for them, aren't they? That's yeah, why everyone yeah, yeah. has has got Mitrovic either last week, this week, or is looking to get him just because the sustained run is so good for them. And you know they're not they're not. Um, stand out on any of those weeks particularly are they uh, they don't even reach two on any of them but it's just consistently good games I think Mitrovic is an absolute no-brainer um to have that yeah. point there
1: so something i would say in terms of bearing in mind and looking at this it doesn't mean automatically um you discount teams at the bottom because a lot of them are you know for example if you look at west ham there their good fixtures are all weighted like towards the next four or five game weeks mm. they've got a lot of good ones coming up uh, immediately so you've got to think about when you're going to play your transfers um, in general, but there will be some players that you do hold now until 16. So it's those kind of players that, as as always, we go for those top teams as um, uh, well.
0: Yeah, and it always comes down to individuals, right? This is the teams expected, and obviously different teams have a variety of different scorers. And uh, you know, in the case of West Ham, if there's going to be a goal, you would hope uh, one of Bowen or Antonio, if he's on the pitch, are probably the most likely candidates. So there's still options, of course.
1: You'd hope uh, if you own, the, own them anyway.
0: yeah if you own them of course if you don't 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 care about
1: it something like Antonio last season well it was such a ridiculous season wasn't it from an FPL point of view because of his start compared to the rest of the season but I've not I think all season I've not seen a single team with him in like he's just not even worth considering
0: just too expensive Mm -hmm. wasn't
1: he yeah it's an interesting one Um, yeah interesting stuff and I guess we can use this now to kind of think about what we do if we're on game week 9 wildcard which is it's interesting thinking about it when you're not on it because obviously we've not been thinking about it specifically for our own team. Mm. So that that might be beneficial in some ways because we're coming to it fresh uh, and coming from a more general point of view and not thinking about the own biases of of our own team value, for example, losing value on players.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Then the uh, same...
0: In the same breath, though, obviously, when you um, start to put the team together yourself, if you're not there manually clicking it and seeing how it all puts together, you start to miss the little nuances of who you have to miss to afford Mm -hmm. another person and stuff like that. But (laughs) like I said, we we looked at the review team, and I don't think it's too dissimilar to mine. Um, I flicked over to at Legomani underscore FPL on Twitter's fixture ticker here. Now, this fixture ticker is a bit different. It doesn't do it on the team strength. It's doing it on on the recovery period. Um, so it's got game week 9 to 16, the teams are listed in the order, Sam spotted this of where they finished last season, we think, with the promoted teams at the bottom there. Um, so there's no there's no relevance there outside that. But what's interesting to see is obviously the recovery there of two days, three days, four days, five days, no real surprises. You know, the teams that are in Europe, I've got a gruelling schedule. Um, yeah, Man City are sat with one, two, three, four, five, six games where they've only got two days in between. They've also got one, two, three with three days in between. That's pretty brutal. Um, mm. Now, is it enough to put put us off these teams? Obviously not. I don't think it is. But I think it's probably worth bearing in mind that, you know, I, I think we've been blessed this season anyway where, generally you want to be be having a, a sort of playing 15 in your FPL team. And I know we've got the extra subs and this whole, how much does it count for the subs coming on? But given there's a blank thrown in there as well, I really think it is important to have 15 playing players. They don't have to be the best players in the world, but certainly players that play. And I think there's just a lot of options that um, thankfully are very cheap and, and do play right. So it's just to bear that in mind, like like we said, about having a gay maybe is is quite useful uh, across this period, because I think there will be some surprises. You know, Liverpool as well. Chelsea with Potter now. You know, they've got a lot of bread up there as well. We know Conte rotates. They're right, They're high up there. Arsenal haven't really been doing it so far, but they do have options. You know, they do have players on the bench like Smith-Rowe and they do have, you know, Tommy Asso and White at right back. They have got a few options around the team now, which they didn't have before. So I don't think they will rotate as much, but I suppose there's always the possibility, right?
1: Just Yeah, it's, just, it's also bearing in mind, though, although I agree with that, like this is the time when we're going to see rotation um, with it being so congested. This, it's actually pretty similar, isn't it, to the... Um, it's probably not... For Man's, for a team like Man City, it's probably not that different to what it's like at Christmas in a normal season. Mm. And then they've still got that to come. But um, yes, in general, that means more rotation, but the difference is this year is, is the five subs. And... Um, you know, I've, I've I barely used my first sub at all this season. I don't maybe I've used them once. So, I think I agree in general. Like we need to be more conscious of our whole squad this over the next few weeks. But I don't think we need to have 15 that play. I think 14 is probably okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. There could be some like I think particularly with like Liverpool as well with Jota coming back and Nunes uh, now there as well and Firmino as an option. I think um, it makes those those three players. Ah, uh, particularly uh, rotation prone at this time uh, as well. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but no. But like I said as well, just because it's not just it's not just that rotation, is it? It's also just the likelihood of injury. So again, having those 15 players is probably helpful, or a stronger bench, and maybe particularly a stronger first sub is helpful for if you randomly pick up an, a player picks up a knock. You don't want to transfer them out, but you just need to play someone else for a week. So I guess for that reason as well, not just rotations, but also just the reality of players being more like, likely to pick up an injury. Absolutely,
0: I mean, look at look at Chelsea, for example, I think, given Potter rotates anyway, but then you look at their mm-hmm. schedule, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven is that one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, seven games in red with two days in between. The Champions League status isn't a hundred percent either, is it? They need to be focusing on that. Um, the rest of them are pretty much all yellow, unless I'm looking there's like,
1: yeah yeah, well four of those seven are Premier League games as well.
0: Right. So look at the Brentford Man United uh, section there. And then I think this, them, yeah. Yeah. So think about a player like Rhys James. I mean, he's in my team and he's not going anywhere. But could he conceivably miss one of these games? It's Potter. It's a right wing back spot. He's a player that has picked up a lot of injuries in the past. He has got a history of doing this. So, if I was the medical team, you know, not that I know what I'm doing, I'd probably be throwing out. You might want to rest James for one of these games, you know. Again, I don't think it's enough where you just don't pick him because I think he's amongst the best picks in the game and 100% be in there. But it's, you know, it could come very annoyingly in that sort of game week 12 or 13, which is where you're kind of hoping to use your squad. That's Um, a good
1: point. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. With the, yeah, with City and and, uh, Arsenal blanking in 12, with, yeah, with maybe like rotation being a likelihood for, Liverpool with a fixture in red and Chelsea with a fixture in red mm. and West Ham and some people own Bowen and maybe some people have like, I don't know, Dallow from Man United. Like, yeah, you're right, actually. That's a, that could be an absolute, absolute carnage that week.
0: It could be because there's a lot of teams in that game week 12 that are actually red, mm. even some of the lesser teams.
1: I'm yeah, not suggesting
0: yeah. they're definitely going to rotate, but it again, it comes back to the sports science. They may not have a choice. You know, the, the, the physios might say this guy is in the red zone. He has the break. But there's just been another break in football you know we're sort of coming back to we say there's been a break i suppose a lot of them have been away on international duty yeah. even in the even in the lesser teams that happens now it's just interesting i think it's it's going to be chaos um uh, maybe not now but i think this pretty much continues all season after the world cup as well we also have to factor in the world cup how draining that's going to be on players i think rotation is going to start to sting a lot as we as we move forward um yeah but let's just <laughs> let's hope it's not as bad as i'm Doom's smung
1: yeah, no, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought... Obviously, I knew that there was that game week 11 was midweek, but I hadn't thought of the implications of that with it also being a blank and also the likelihood of rotation, how, how mad that week could be. Um, mm. yeah, you really
0: need teams like Man City to... I mean, they play Copenhagen right at the top there, um, then Southampton, then Copenhagen. They're not qualified in the Champions League yet. Now, to me, given the comments we had on Haaland before and Man City players in general said, when there's games every three days, he won't play. We took that to mean the first time it happened and it didn't happen. But I still think the point stands that he means when there are games every three days, there will be a period where he won't play him. That's mm-hmm. the way we should have translated that, I think. Um, so will he not play one of those games? For me, he probably won't play one of those games. However, given Man City's um, Champions League status, like I said, if they win Copenhagen. I think Dortmund are away to Seville as well. And if they were to lose that one then they're suddenly both on four points and Man City are on nine. So they're as good as qualified as as top of the group. So it'd probably come in the Copenhagen game. But it it may not be, right? If they lose that first Copenhagen game and Dortmund win, suddenly they're very, very close and Dortmund can then win the group. I don't think Man City would want to take any chances. So it it could change things. Mm. So interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely.
0: Anyway, should we move on then? We've decided we were going to look at um, some mid-price mids, haven't we? The ones that um, either bought this week or prior week or on wildcard this week or just looking in general until the end, I think they're a useful position. Um, Simply the structure of our teams seems to be that we'll have at least one of these, possibly two in our team, maybe even three in some cases. So we've picked out a few names. Um, I don't know if you wanted to talk us through some of these, Sam.
1: Yep. Um, So I guess first to say that we've um, taken into account the underlying data from last season um, as well as this season in general just because of how misleading it can be with only a few games being played so far this season mm. um, one thing that we've done there is, is, is XG rather than non-penalty XG the only player that, that... Oh, something just fell off my desk oh. the only player that impacts uh, <laughs> in this season is, is, uh, is Zaha um, in terms of having taken a penalty but you'll need to take that into account in terms of looking at penalty takers last season um, the, the thing I'd just say, just broadly initially, it's interesting how so many of them on almost every single one of those stats, maybe apart from Zaha, where that would be 0.35 if it was non penalty, XGP90 this season has just dropped off slightly. I think there could just be randomness, I guess. Uh, it could be that because a few of these boys don't, apart from uh Foden, Saka, and Mount. A lot of them don't play for the teams who've had really, really good fixtures at the beginning of the season. So maybe that's the reason for some of them as well. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I just, just think that's interesting. And then the thing we've got in that in that last column as well is the um, is just the predicted points according to FPL reviews, massive data model uh, as well. And that's from nine, game week nine through to game week sixteen. Just for those uh, who are listening, we'll try and mention the numbers as we go. Um, does anything initially just stand out to you, Luke?
0: Um. I think Zaha being the cheapest one there, seven point two million. Um, the most, you know, the most useful column is the predicted points, and he sat at thirty one point nine from nine to sixteen fixtures. Are good. Um, that's the second highest, I believe, of all the players mentioned here. So we've got Diaz, Kuliszewski, Bowen, Foden, Madison, Saka, Mount, and Zaha that we've chosen. He sat at thirty one point nine, so he's. Uh, the very top is Bowen at 32.8, predicted on the model. Um, and then you've got Madison and Saka very close also on 31, and Diaz sorry, at 31. So, given he's a lot cheaper than the others, and obviously it allows you, or it should do, to use that money elsewhere to get better players or better expected points in your team, um, I think he's just the standout one to get. Um, it's tricky because we haven't actually seen Palace play for a while, and they come straight in with a... I think it's home to Chelsea this week, isn't it? Which isn't an, an ideal game, I would say. Yeah. Um, I know Zaha has made a habit of scoring in games like this when they're playing against tough opposition. It's obviously on the counter; it does kind of suit his play. So I don't think you can completely rule out that he would do anything, but it's still not the the ideal fixture to target, I would say. But outside of that one game, their run is ridiculous, and therefore I think he's just the he's the obvious pick. He's got the most points predicted, and he's the cheapest. So um, yeah, I don't have him in my team. My plan was to get him after this week. That may it still can go ahead with my planned transfers, even though I mentioned right at the start that I have to kind of scrap getting Salah in this week, potentially because of the Isak injury, I can still now look at Zaha next week, because I think Salah's mm. got Arsenal as only the week after, so I might, essentially I just have to postpone Salah for three weeks, rather than get him now, Yeah. Uh, um. so yeah, I think Zaha's probably going to be my move, and I think um, most wildcarders will probably either have him start him, or maybe even just bench him this week, but I probably would start him anyway, Um. Are you yeah. have you got him, or looking to get him?
1: I'm looking to buy him next week as well, I think, I think I'll take mm. out Saka for him, Uh, I don't think I'd necessarily generally recommend that move, but that's partly because I can wildcard in 13. So I'll be taking Saka out when he plays Liverpool. I won't have Saka for the Leeds game and then Saka blanks. Um, So I think that's what my move will be. Yeah, for me, that's what stands out. He's the cheapest player here. His underlying data was good last season. It's good so far this season. Um, (laughs) It's inflated there because of the penalty or the two penalties, one or two he's taken up to 0.54, but it's 0.35 for 90 anyway this season. Stacey, he's still, yeah. So he's still similar similar numbers to last season and his fixtures are about to get better. So I just think he's a great pick and Absolutely. he'd be my pick of the bunch. <laughs> the other player that stands out for the opposite reason is Kulicewski. I guess we, when I put this list together, we t- kind of t- thought about what players are people considering and also it was just a big discussion point at the beginning of the season. This, these like 8 million midfielders and mm. Kulisevsky was in that discussion. So I just think now, because of what we've just seen as well with the, the congested fixtures, The fact he's got to compete with Son and Rich Allison, I don't think Kulisewski is a good pick now at all until the World Cup. And maybe he will be later in the season if there's an injury. But I don't think either of us have been that big on him at all um, so far this season, to be honest. He
0: surprised me because he plays, he's so good to watch. He's a lot better than I gave him credit for. But um, yeah, Uh, and the fact he was benched three times in a row, I think it was at one point, although I think they played much better when he actually played again. Um, it's just it's just Richarlison, isn't it? He's he's cost a lot of money. He's obviously Conte wants to use him in that front three, and I don't think you can guarantee which one of the two sides he'll actually use him, or or who it will affect in terms of minutes. So, yeah, the fixtures aren't particularly fantastic either for Spurs, are they? Um, and yeah. his projected predicted points are the least of everyone. I don't think anyone's really looking at him though. I think Madison is a is a bit of a no-brainer this week. I mean the fixtures are just ridiculous, and again he's got a quite extended fixture run that is good. I think maybe the last two or three games before 16 aren't the best that you, you could lose him potentially. It's a bit of a mixed bag at the end. But mm. from my, well, I, I had him last week and started him. I didn't expect much against Spurs. Thankfully, he came came through with the goods. But the idea was to, to have him there in preparation for obviously the game this week and then the sustained period after that. Um, yeah. I, again, he's just pr- pretty much a no-brainer. I don't think any I've seen anyone who's wild carding who's not picking Madison. Um, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you see a lot on Twitter... We, part of the, why we do this show is we like to try and cut through any narratives that we see and um, you know the the strength of a team or how well they're playing or seems to affect people's decisions so much in some areas you know like they, no one wants Slanky no one wanted Puky last season there's numerous players you think well they're just bad you know they play for a bad team like Bowen for West Ham's one um, where it hasn't gone so well um, but when it comes to Madison because obviously he's been getting points people are happy to to pick him but Mm. Leicester are dreadful. <laughs> they have been yeah. dreadful for quite a while. I suppose that the other argument for that is the fact that they just always seem to score. Right, that's what they'll throw back to me. Um, but I just I think, find it interesting that the narrative seems to be picked and chose <laughs> depending on, depending on, and basically if they have scored points or they haven't scored points. That's the way I, I look at it. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, completely. I mean, just firstly, just on Madison, like he's been. I think he's been a brilliant player over the last year or so, and a big. I'm a big fan of him in general. Um, but in terms of Leicester, what you're saying there, people—it works the other way. People will look, will look at Leicester and think, "Oh, they've Leicester are really bad" because we know they are this season. Um, but maybe not separate the attack from the defense. And the Leicester attack's not incredible, but it's a lot better than, than their defense. So we we probably relate Madison to Leicester, um, think about the fact they're bad. That might actually put someone, some people off and have the opposite effect. So we've got to try and discount the fact he scored recently, which was a great finish, by the way. Um, and also focus on the attacking stats and particularly his individual stats rather than the team as a whole. But no, you're completely right. Like last year, last week, so I, I captain Kane, uh, as I've already mentioned, and as we discussed on the last podcast. And he was a good, he was a great captain choice. Haaland was also a great captain choice. At halftime in the Man City game, when Harland scored in the first half, I saw people like tweeting, uh, "Should we just is Haaland just a permanent captain now? Perma captain?" Like, why don't we just captain Haaland every week? And then suddenly he doesn't do anything in the second half. Kane happens to get a goal and an assist. And now people will captain Madison instead of Haaland. <laughs> like, I just, personally, I don't get that at all. Um, and people are very, very very swayed by what happened most recently um, in general. So just to, to touch on that that as more of a general point as well. I think even with like the Haaland, who's currently the best player in the game, in terms of just total points, what he's doing at Man City... Even like one second half probably changed people's opinion on him massively, or at least changed their decisions from permanent captain to say, oh, shall I go with a differential captain this week because he's playing Manchester United, who were good about 10 years ago?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he, human son was a perfect example this yeah. week. I, I sat on this show last week and said, if, if you told me son would start, he would have 100% been in my team. I had De Bruyne because we basically got the leak from Paul O'Keefe to say that he probably wasn't going to play, and he didn't play. Now I don't claim to, that to be some magical talent of mine. It was Son's an extremely good player, <laughs> and he was home to Leicester. Um, you know, he was a great pick as far as I'm concerned. But the interesting thing now is now he's come off the bench and scored a hat-trick. People are willing to to give him the chance. But it's like we said on that pod. It's just anytime, anywhere. These players they can switch it on at any point, and that's always the worry, right? If you start to follow the pattern of oh, well, Liverpool are Liverpool, for example, they've not been playing well they can just change around at any given point. As long as the data is yeah. still, still looking reasonably good, I think putting more weight in the historical data is, is more
1: useful. Yeah, or if there's a clear reason for that change in data. Yeah. And, and you don't think that's going to change anytime soon?
0: No. And I, and I said right at the very beginning of the season, actually, I didn't think Sun was an FPL option this this season, particularly because of his price compared to the other guys and the fact that his minutes were threatened by Richarlison. That's why I ripped him off. But for, for an individual week, Obviously, and as a player of talent, I'd never question that for a second. And, you know, if you're on a free hit team um, and, you know, we had the information that someone's going to start, then he would absolutely be in, I think, most people's team, regardless of what you see on Twitter about, oh, he's rubbish, he's not playing well. They don't, I can't for a second believe they, you know, that they actually think this player is finished as an option and he won't turn it around. We're seeing the same sort of stuff with Salah at the moment, right? Um, you know, there's nothing that tells me that Salah is finished as an option. I can't foresee anything apart from Salah. You know being as good as he's been in the coming yeah. games um you know maybe there is a, a massive tactical shift and when because we still haven't fully seen you know liverpool fully at it whenever tiago matthew you know maybe nunes is starting up front or whatever you know if we've got sustained data to say that there's something different fine but at the moment i think it's very very marginal the difference in his in his performance um he's just his underlying numbers think he's about five under what he should be or something in xgi um <clears and throat> So I, I don't have a doubt that that will turn around. And I think, I don't know if you watched the game, but Jota playing up front for Liverpool seemed to make a real big difference to them. We have to remind ourselves that Nunes, who was talk of the town at the beginning of the season, because he, he scored a few goals off the bench and everyone was going to rip up their teams to get him in, is nowhere near anyone's team anymore. And Jota comes straight back and he seemed to make a big difference to their team. You know, Klopp even said um, Jota had the qualities of Firmino and Nunes or something along those lines. I don't know if you saw that, but basically he, he, he was... Um, yeah, using the best parts of both of those players and putting it into one player. It's pretty high praise. So I think Jota at the moment is probably going to be the guy who starts most games up front. I think you'll see Nunes come on for the last 20 minutes. I think that's probably the way it'll work. Obviously, the fixture congestion may change that. But I think that's his plan at the moment. It seems to make them a lot different.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if that's the case, suddenly Jota becomes an option again, right? If he's going to start starting. Because Jota's always had incredible numbers whenever he's on the pitch. Yeah, So someone to think about.
1: Is he, it, is, isn't
0: he? Is, he, is he now a forward as well? I, I think it's
1: nine, nine as well, I think, isn't he, this season? Yeah,
0: that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, so Price would probably write that off for a start. But yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But it's just it's how quickly the narrative changes. That's what I was trying to get across there. We're seven games in and already we've had many, many narratives around a lot of these teams that have quickly either been disproven or changed. And then straight away they start up again with with new stuff based on the last week um it's, it's hard not to do it you know we, we've all got the eyes we all watch it and we're all fed it by the commentators but that's what we're trying to aim to do is to cut through that right we won't always get it right absolutely not mm. um but i i yeah it's hard work isn't it i suppose because when you're on twitter you feel like everyone feels that but really it's probably about two or three people that you follow and suddenly it's like oh everyone's thinking this but yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's not. Maybe it's us getting over excited
1: <laughs> well. a perfect example of the Twitter bubble is a lot of people considering Solanke this week and I checked his own ownership and it's less than one percent. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, yeah still less than one percent. And that will change, I guess. And we'll come on to that. Oh, well. It definitely but, will. Let's switch even, over, shall? Sure. Even though even though had uh, yeah, even though a lot of people haven't bought him yet or a panny on buying him. Um that's still lower than I expected. And in terms of the other players on here, we've touched on Diaz already, Kulisiewski we've touched on. As well as Foden with potential rotation, Madison we've touched on, Saka already. The other Bowen I think is the other one that's interesting that people will probably might have a problem with just because the fact he's quite quite highly owned by analytical people into who are into FPL analytics, but he's been really poor this season. A lot of people think, um, but having watched the game on the weekend, the last game game week, I think it's the first West Ham game I've watched this season. He could easily have had a return or two um and uh, yeah i'm more interested in, in his stats last season and the fact that um they've got a good next few fixtures
0: yeah he's got 32.8 on here which is the mm. highest of all the players he again this is without penalties apart from Zaha, but he does have penalties so we could just get lucky you know? Probably not, I, yeah yeah you could just get lucky and you can get three penalties in the next you know eight weeks or whatever it is mm. um to, to to subside that um, and yeah, I still think he looks the most dangerous. His stats have dipped a little bit, but it's a small sample. It's seven weeks or six weeks in some cases for some of these teams. Um, yeah. I don't doubt that you know West Ham just not going to score goals again. They're pretty much the exact same team. If anything, they've they've improved their squad. I would say overall, yeah. and um, people can sort of point at Europe, but I think they rotate quite heavily in that, and they have had that in recent years anyway. So I don't think it's a massive issue. I just think it's just a matter of time for Bowen to be honest.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think we've covered all the main points there on that side, Luke. Do you reckon? Yeah, like, we think Zahar's great. Madison's great. There's some concerns about rotations for other players, and don't buy Kuleseski.
0: Yeah, I think on the Foden one, actually, just briefly, after after yeah. the blank, I think Man City have got a really really nice run, mm. and I think it's been shown so far that Foden, when he's available, he will he will generally play for Man City. You know, he'll either be on that left wing spot or. In the cases where Grealish is brought in, he will play on the right wing spot. Um, And Man City's attack is generating the most XG overall and the most predicted goals. So if you want a cheaper way in than Le Bruyne to to sort of double up on their attack, I don't think Foden's a bad option at all for him after 12. I think in my plan at the moment, I'm looking to get him in, I think, for maybe it's 15. I think it is Saka to Foden I've got planned or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Those last two weeks at least. But I just think he's a good option overall. People are obviously have been afraid in the past to touch on him, but he just constantly ticks along. And I think he can perform at a higher rate. I think that he's only going to get better. And I I keep saying that it's not necessarily happening, but you can see that his XGI is 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 quite balanced. But then also at the same time, it's it's weighted higher on the XG than a lot of the other players there. So I think good point. I think it's only a matter of time before we start seeing some some decent production from him as well. And people will think, you know, why haven't I got an 8 million midfielder in the Man City attack who pretty much plays up front with?
1: Yeah, Yeah. that's when the tricky choice between double Man City defence or him could become a thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think in the defence at the moment, it's so all over the place outside Cancelo with the injuries and the amount of rotation the amount of options they've got there that it's suddenly flipped back the other way now where I think Foden is better at the beginning of the season up to this point I would have definitely said double defence is the better way to go Mm -hmm. I think now with the amount of players they've got in defence since they've signed a Kanji, it probably flips the other way and we've obviously got the evidence of Foden continuing to play Mm -hmm. anyway let's move to review team which is um, the team that we've put together using FPL review uh, which is a wild card side from now and it's factored in uh, is it it's on eight isn't it on the solver depth so within eight yeah. fixtures with heavy which is basically spending the most amount of time to, to look in the deepest into it uh we've not touched the expected minutes free transfer value sam is it 1.5 still or
1: yeah whatever the standard
0: is I think it's okay 1.5, yeah, yeah it's 1.5 yeah so this is the team that while um wildcard that review says is um the most optimal team to pick if you are on wildcard for up until 16 um obviously there'll be Transfers factored in here if you run the solver, or you can do that yourself. But it really likes this team. Now, the thing that jumps out to me straight away, like I said right at the start, I think from my team, it's like, let me just have a look, one, two, three, four. It's like four players different, four or five players different than my team from last week, which, you know, it's only one week. So you'd probably expect it to be fairly close. And I did try to follow uh, quite closely to the expected points model.
1: The starting 11, or the whole whole squad? The whole squad. Really? The whole squad. Yeah. Wow. yeah,
0: so I think Zuma and Dunk I haven't got. I've been cheeky because Solanke is coming in for me this week, probably. So that and mm-hmm. I have the same front line. Zaha's coming in the next week, but I've got, yeah, otherwise, the entire midfield, the, the whole five is mine. Um, The back line, I've got Trippier instead of Shah, and I don't have Trent. And that's pretty much, and the goalkeeper's different. So that's it. Mm-hmm. So what's that? One, two, three, four, five. So that's, yeah, five players after I yeah. make myself. Um, and I think, you know, I'd prefer Trippier than Shah personally. Um, I'd love to have Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, I don't, but I do have a plan to get him. Um, I've got Pope instead of Allison, So it's not too dissimilar. You know, it's very, very close. So if that, that's comforting. But at the same time, this team is a little bit ahead of mine because I've got planned transfers to get these guys and they already have them, right? So then you know everything changes as we move forward as well. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, is your team looking anything like that, or do you think that's a good team, or any changes you would actually make to it?
1: Um. Yeah, it's it's not. Uh, I think it's six or seven, maybe seven players off my team at the moment. I think five or six. If you you know, I've got, for example, like you Tripia instead of Shah. I've got mm. Cucurella instead of James, although they're not quite as comparable. Um. Yeah, the thing that one thing that surprises me is is that Alison's in there straight away. And I think something to take into account there is probably the fact that, uh, well, this is a team from now until 16, isn't it, completely. Whereas I, I think I would be more inclined if I was on wildcard this week to go with a cheaper goalkeeper, and plan to bring in Robertson, uh, in like to 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 triple up on Liverpool from like 13 or from 12 even, um, and to just target Liverpool defence from then, just because it still looks a bit shaky now. Um, the midfielders are just coming back in, and their fixtures aren't great now. And then by the time you get to 12, that's it's easier to then bring in Robinson than it than it is to switch your keeper at that point. There's more value in bringing him in, um, in my opinion, just in general, in, in avoiding keeper transfers. Um, the, nothing surprises me at all about the midfield at all. Um, and yeah, same for the defence. Yeah, I don't find it particularly surprising, uh, to be honest.
0: No, uh, but, you, I th-
1: but I think Solanke is like a, a talking point, definitely.
0: He is, isn't he? I think usually when we run these, because we don't, you know, as this common misconception everyone just runs the FPL team and picks it. They don't. Usually, I'll do this, and there'll be some question marks for me. I'll look at it in questions. So for me, Shah's a bit of a question mark, but outside that, I literally wouldn't question any of the picks, which is quite rare, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, like you say, Allison, maybe, but I see why it loves premium keepers. It, it has done pretty much the whole time, outside Everson and Ward double up, which it also loves. Um, and he's five point four million, and he obviously plays in twelve. So that's a no. If you are going to go for premium, he ends up being the no brainer goalkeeper. Um, also, Guay,
1: Rob, maybe Gwei, who we've already mentioned as well I, I'd probably try and find a way to get him in there
0: Yeah, I think Zuma or Dunk, you could use him instead of one of those I don't mm. think that, that would yeah. be a terrible idea um, The Solanke one, yeah, that's another interesting one on Twitter at the moment I don't think anyone's expecting massive points from Solanke It's what he enables elsewhere is the main thing, isn't it? Mm. Um, I mean, that that's the bottom line he, He's he got great, great fixtures you know, really, really good, especially immediately. Um, the Team XG has been terrible, but we, I keep saying it, it's only been six, seven games. I can't remember yeah. any they've played. I think Slanky himself missed the first two, and then he's come back from injury as well, which usually we give some sort of grace period to players who come straight back from injury. So individually, his data has been poor. The team's data has been very poor. I get that, but the sample size is tiny. You look at Slanky last season, and yes, it's in the championship, but is you know, XGI per 90. It's fantastic. It's better than Tony's was in his season, that where he was ridiculous and is now, you know, taking the league by storm. You know, it's a, it's a very good rate of X J that he was he was using. And this is under um, Scott Parker, which he now no, no longer manages Bournemouth. Now, I appreciate that they could, we still haven't got a manager as far as I know, so they could get anyone in. But can we foresee a world where they get a manager who's more defensive than, you know, Parker? I think that would be, quite a tough ask um you would have thought it would be a fair assumption anyway that the manager that come in would have at least a little bit more of an offensive mindset than parker um mm-hmm. so we don't really know there are some there are some some unknowns but i think given the price given the fixtures given his historical data there is literally no argument you can make against lanky for me you can't use 4.5 games under scott parker and say he's a bad option to me
1: yeah i think um yeah, the fact he's on penalties is obviously a big one for him as well, because even though as a team they do, don't create many chances, uh, there's just always that, that hope that you might get a penalty or two between now and 16. I think the argument against him, I guess, just from glancing at this, would be, couldn't you do Solanke down to a 4.5 or 4.4, then 4, upgrade, for example, in this team, Dunk or Zuma, to a another premium defender? But I guess the reason why that's off the cards for a lot of people is because City have a blank game week coming up. So yeah. People aren't going to go for a city defender. Uh, there's uncertainty around Liverpool's defence. And Potter's just come into Chelsea as well. So we don't really know where Cucarella mm. stands, for example, and doubling up with him and James. Perisic, again, they've got such a busy congestion. He's a premium, he's probably the only what we classify premium defender in the Spurs defence, who we probably wouldn't wouldn't count uh either. Uh, so I, I guess that would be the that would be the norm. And what maybe what happened at the beginning of the season as well, that people went for a four point five. Uh, and avoided a cheaper striker to go for a a premium defender, but that option's not really there now, I guess. No. And even if you downgrade Salanke to a four point five, it's not like you can afford Robertson either, either because he's so much more expensive. Yeah. Um, the one then, would probably then...
0: be Gabriel, right? But then Arsenal's fixtures aren't don't
1: and they blank as well? And,
0: and and they blank exactly. So I think he would be the other one to look at, but
1: and and, and do the alternative is that you go Solanke... Salanke or Salanke Salanke to a four point five, and then you upgrade. Uh, Andreas to a better midfielder, but there's not really one. Like, Anto- do you want to really want to go for like Anthony Gordon rather than Solanke I don't think so.
0: No, neither do I.
1: So I think it's probably, yeah, I do think that there would normally be an argument against it, but it's maybe quite a unique position with the fixture congestion impacting those premium defenders that are normally the the normal alternatives to the third yeah. striker.
0: It's, it's either that or find the money for Tony, where I, I, you know, Tony's expected points over Slanky are higher, so I, mm-hmm. I expect Tony will score more points than Slanky, um, because mm-hmm. who am I to argue? Um, however, it's the value thing. You know, you're you pumping quite a lot more money. How much is Tony? Seven something? Is it seven two or something like that? It's quite expensive. Yeah. Um, you know, so then suddenly you probably have to lose Trent on that team, which some people might prepare to do based on yeah. how they've been performing so far, but I personally wouldn't. Yeah, seven point two. You know, you could bring Trent down. And you could take Solanke up to Tony. Again, I, I wouldn't argue. I think that's that's okay. I think that's fine. But I personally would prefer Solanke and train Alexander Arnold. And you know, it's not. We, we've seen this so many seasons now. At that price, you know, Pookie was around this price. Norwich were dreadful as well. And I know they were. People will probably say, well, it was a more attacking side. But yeah, we, we don't know what manager Bournemouth are going to get. Um, you know, and he he ended up being valued just on the basis that he plays everywhere. He can. He's got penalties, and I think yeah. it'll be similar to him. And i just go back to the fixtures. It's for eight weeks. It's what enables you elsewhere. No yeah. one's expecting him to haul every week, but if he does, then great. So yeah, I think we've on off enough about it. It's just <laughs> the sheer hate anyone gets who hasn't scored points recently or, or based off a small sample, right? It's not just that they haven't scored points. Then they'll go, well, their data is terrible, but it's, it's four, four and a half weeks for Solanke. you six weeks under a different manager. It, it, yeah. I so can't take that on board, I don't think. The, granted, Bournemouth could just be really, really bad and not be able to make the step up. They'll get a new manager and he's also trash and they're rubbish. That could easily happen. Like that, you know, no one would say um, that that's not a possibility. It's just still that, regardless of all that, he's, um, he's good value for the fixtures. For yeah. The I,
1: I, like, and it's what you mentioned before about not putting together a, a game week nine wildcard yourself. Like for me, when I just heard it on, on face value, I'd, I'd have been thinking to myself, well, why are people going for Solanke when the options there are Mitrovic or Tony instead? Uh, or you can have, um, yeah, when there, there are other better striking options. But yeah, it's when you start to put together a team, isn't it? And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people who are heavily criticising it aren't on, aren't on wildcard this week, so haven't had to think about what that offers you mm-hmm. as an alternative. They mm-hmm. can think of it just directly. Oh, you only need a little bit more money for Tony, so surely you can find it somewhere. But no, it's if like... you look at if you look at this team, I can understand why a lot of people are on wildcard um, yeah. would go we'd go from completely. And I also if you go back to our very first video or maybe our second one, where we showed like our initial drafts maybe two or three weeks before the season, I think you had you had Solanke in your team, I think, Luke. I did, yeah. You, you didn't was end that... up with him in game week one, but he was there because Review loved him.
0: Absolutely. He was benched for review nearly every week. So in the end, I thought <laughs> I'm not going to do it. But yeah, he, the review did love him and it does continue because it does put a lot of weight on the historical data. So yeah. fair enough if you don't. But I've already mentioned it. I think you pretty much in this team at least. And I think this will be very, very close to most people's wildcard team, whether they're even on review or not. I think that would surprise some people whether they even use it. It would probably be very close to most people's wildcard team it, it's losing Liverpool somewhere, which some people may be prepared to do on yeah, the basis they have, you know, Salah down to, to either a De Bruyne or a son, Trent down to someone else, Alisson again down. Maybe you can change Solanke into Tony, but is that worth sacrificing a Liverpool player? One of the best, you know, these are some of the best players we've had in the past, like God knows how many years now, five, six, seven years. Um, you know, top tier picks. I'm not just going to throw them out the window after six weeks, personally. So there we go.
1: So one 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 minute. One more thing is one way you can do it is go Allison down to Iverson. <laughs> and, and do the t- lesser
0: double. Yeah, yeah,
1: that, that does actually allow Tony over Solanke in this team. It does anyway. So if you okay. feel if you feel that passionate about Tony over Solanke, maybe you go with a really really bad keeper who's basically guaranteed one point every <laughs> game week. So I, I don't think it's advisable. But I wouldn't be surprised if a few go down that route.
0: I think, you know, do you know what? That gets a lot of bad press for good reason. The Everson Ward double up. But again, their fixtures are so good. And at that price, surely he's going to eventually end up being some decent value because of what it allows elsewhere. You know, if if Tony outscores Slanky by, I don't know, nine points or something or even more, then it's quite hard to actually find goalkeepers that are going to score more than that in most cases. However, an Everson and Ward have somehow managed to do that so far. I, I don't think they continue to be as bad as they have been, right? Surely that's not possible. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah <laughs> yeah, maybe because <Maybe. laughs> they have been absolutely horrendous haven't they but they have. the, the interesting thing is that Ward's Ward's particularly been poor so actually if you look at their goals conceded compared to the chances they've given up XG conceded they're conceding even more than you'd expect because of Ward now he might just be going through a bad patch and that might change as well or they might switch him for Everson and he'll improve them in terms of post-shot XG or however you want to describe that Um so it's one of those things, isn't it? Because they're both four. As soon as they get one clean sheet, people will be thinking, oh, why don't I own them? <laughs> and if they happen to get... I can't remember who they played last week. I and can't remember. Spurs. They, Spurs, yeah. If they happen to get a clean sheet there, which I know was very unlikely, but say it just happened, how many people... Like, how many more people would have them have them both on oh, the night? So many, because they think, oh, they've just got a clean sheet against Spurs. Look at the fixtures. So you never know. Maybe some... Some people out there will just go for it and maybe they'll turn out to be absolute heroes. <laughs> we'll see. Uh,
0: I, would, I would, If I was on Wildcard, I would consider The Warden, Evers and Double. I'd definitely, I would consider it. I don't know whether I'd do it, but I would definitely consider it because it's so cheap and the fixtures are still there.
1: I've got too uh, much PTSD from doing it from game 1. <laughs> <Day. laughs>
0: Fair enough. It's one of those ones where because you're not tainted by it, you, yeah. you can sort of do it, right? It's like the Dinya thing. People buying Lucas Dinia. He's all right. He's never affected me. so like, I can't, I can't do it to myself. I just can't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Mohanid's in the chat saying, can you guys discuss Barnes versus Madison? Have you got any thoughts on Barnes versus Madison?
1: Um, I think, oh, what do I think on Barnes versus Madison? It's on- an interesting one. I I, need to, I don't know off the, top of my mid, off, off the top of my head how many minutes Barnes is playing. He's playing. He's playing regularly, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, then they're, not, they're not changing it around too often.
1: Yeah, I think I would be, my instinct, having not thought about it a lot, is just to go for Madison over him. Because of how much more of a proven asset Madison is, and also don't I don't like this idea of covering teams and going for Madison down to Barnes just to cover Leicester, for example. I think that makes a little bit of sense when it comes to defenders because they share clean sheet points. But I think it's if it's for that reason to down downgrade Madison to Barnes to allow yourself a, um, an, a an improvement elsewhere in the team. I don't I don't think that's worth it. I think Madison's a real must own on on wildcard because of those fixtures. I think if you go for him, you probably go for both. And he's like you've got him in over Martinelli, for example, Barnes.
0: Yeah, it must be a price thing. He's just put there in the chat again. Mm. Because I think I think, yeah, if they're the same price, you you just have Madison. I am point, a
1: six ma- point nine Barnes. It's not actually that different, is it?
0: Um no, I suppose not. But seven
1: point nine is Madison. Oh, yes, yeah. okay, one million different. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um I'm a big fan of Barnes though, generally. I think he's I think he's a very good player. I think that he's got a lot of potential. Um Injuries, injuries is the main thing I would point to, where he just seems to pick them up all the time. And I know Madison's sometimes does that as well, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Barnes picked up an injury in this eight weeks or just dropped out, you know, because if mm. Rogers is still there, we have seen it happen before. I think with Barnes, he he can have up and down games, and Rogers is is more willing to sacrifice Barnes than he is Madison. I don't think that's in question, so that would be worried. The worry, but given we are only going for you know, a short time here, eight weeks, I don't think you can totally destroy your season by going Barnes over Madison. And there is a yeah. world that exists where Barnes could outscore Madison. So if if it simply comes down to price and you've got your team you're completely happy with elsewhere, it's a bit of a differential against the field. I don't think it's terrible. I do think he will play the most of the games, but I think Madison in a straight fight wins quite comfortably.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't just think, um, I, I don't hate it by any means. And I think he's only 0.6 more expensive than Martinelli, who's got, Martinelli's got Spurs, Liverpool, Leeds and a blank. So maybe you put him in that slot and then find a, you'll then need a plan to get Martinelli back in, in my opinion because he's such good value. Maybe that's where you consider it. So I don't hate it by any means. I think he's probably, if you were to compare the midfielders at that price, um, I think he probably is going to be the ones right near the one of the players right near the top at the moment because of his fixtures. Mm. It's just just whether if I was wildcarding now, whether I would be considering him over madison i don't think so and i don't think he no. would generally fit into a structure because again you'd be you, the likely thing is you're banking a transfer in my opinion because it might i think it's likely he comes in instead of martinelli
0: yeah that's fair hopefully that helps you maned um should we move on yep okay we've only got one slide left so we're doing pretty good how long we've we been going we're going 58 minutes so not bad uh I've just brought up the Man City team for, well, my predicted Man City team for this week. Again, it's open to change. We haven't seen the press conferences yet at all. It's been an international week, so um, I'm sure that will affect the players in terms of how much they've had to travel, um, which Pep is obviously big on and he has cited before their injury status when they come back. So I will update this. So based on the information we have right now, um, I think this is likely to be the team that will play. Man Um Carl Walker was on the bench for England. I think he even came on, didn't he? I didn't watch the game, I think that's right. Uh, which game? Uh, Versus Germany, did he come the on? The Germany
1: one. Uh, no, I don't think he came on, actually. Oh, didn't he? I
0: thought he did. But maybe,
1: maybe he did, but he definitely didn't start, no.
0: Okay. I think he was on the bench. I'm pretty sure I saw him, so that would suggest to me that he's probably back. Given the fact that Stones got injured in the England game um, and Stones had been filling in at right back, it looks obvious to me that Walker will probably come in if he's fit. So he'll be at right back. Cancelo, therefore, will be at left back. There is a, obviously Ake is the one who's missing here who could play. So he could come in and therefore Cancelo could be right back or he could come in for one of Diaz and Akanji. But considering how well Diaz and Akanji have been playing, Akanji misses this game coming up for Switzerland, I think, because he's banned for it. He actually scored and assisted in the in the international week as well. But it's more about his progressive passing. Um, you know, with Laporte out and with Stones out, they really lack that in the back line. Ake's not quite as good as it. Diaz isn't quite as good as it. So, I can't. I really think Akanji will play that simply because of his progressive passing. And then Diaz, you know, when he's fit, he generally plays. So, I think that's highly likely to be the back line on the information we've got at the moment. Um, yeah, I can't see a world where De Bruyne and Rodri don't play. I can't see a world where Foden doesn't play or Haaland. So, really, it's Grealish and Bernardo Silva. I think Bernardo Silva is now He didn't start the first few games of the season, but ever since then, he's pretty much found the place for him regardless. Um, He is playing, I think Bernardo Silva's playing tonight for Portugal. I think he's he's starting and Gundogan came off for Germany having played. So it might, I think there's a, a slight element of risk there because Gundogan is potentially more rested. However, I think Bernardo Silva serves this game better because he, we all know that Man United will try to counter on Man City. I don't think that's, up for debate I think that's the way they'll try to beat them they'll try to suck up the pressure and then they'll try to counter with the likes of Rashford right and score the goals Pep always says in these scenarios that he likes players that take the time on the ball and they try to stop that counters by obviously not giving the ball away so that lends itself to me to having Bernardo Silva in centre midfield and also Grealish on the wing because Grealish obviously that is his main talent is to is to pretty much hold on to the ball and make sure the ball doesn't turn over and keep possession of it so I think Grealish will play left and Foden will play right and Bernardo Silva so that's my rationale. Picking that team,
1: Makes but sense. we'll see. Uh, on Walker, mate, just I just checked it. He, he, I've forgotten he came on in the first half, but Stones got injured. Oh,
0: okay, yeah, yeah,
1: so he played, he came on in the 37th minute, so played about an hour.
0: Okay, cool. So that's that looks pretty settled to me. Then it'll play, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, like I say, we're uh, this is ahead of the press conferences, so things may change, but to me, that looks a f- fairly Oh, famous last words. Fairly predictable Man City team this week. However, I did get 10 out of 11 last week and 11 out of 11 the week before. So we're on a bit of a roll, and I hope I can keep up with it. I think Bernardo Silva's probably the dodgiest, but I think you play Bernardo Silva in a game like this. It's just too good. Yeah.
1: And Haaland's, um, Haaland's playing tonight, isn't he? I well.
0: didn't I didn't know that. Okay. He's so yeah. He's
1: playing in Serbia tonight. I've just checked.
0: Okay. Hopefully he doesn't get injured.
1: Yeah, what? so it's a it, it, well, Mitch, it's him and Mitrovic up against each other. Oh, yeah. Whoever wins, whoever wins goes up or something. But however <laughs> the Nations League works,
0: <laughs> yeah, no one knows. You you, you follow it, don't you? Promotion. You have I, have
1: no, I have no idea how the Nations League works.
0: Okay, okay. just watch the games regardless,
1: right? Okay. Yeah, there's divisions, and I don't know. No. <laughs> it does it, it does add something for teams who are lower ranked in terms of it can help them get qualifiers for bigger tournaments. So it's it's way better than than international friendlies definitely yeah sure and we play we play more teams that are similar standards to us now as well uh, because it's tiered as well so overall it's a good thing but I don't I've never looked <laughs> I don't know exactly how it works 100%
0: you know you know twice as much as me already um, <laughs> we've got a few uh, any questions if you guys have got any questions put them in the chat for us now live if you want we'll try to answer them um, Rehan Amin's put one in there he's just put thoughts on Guita and Everson as a goalkeeper combo
1: yeah um yeah, Iverson's interesting, isn't it? Because I think if I was to do that, I'd probably just go Ward instead of Iverson. To be honest, I think uh, there's every chance Ward could be dropped. But if I had to guess, I'd go with the I would go with the backup who's currently playing. Uh, in terms of Guaita, it's actually a similar thing. I think um, I would I would bank on yeah I would bet <laughs> I, I would I would think that Guaita doesn't lose his place and keeps playing. But you've always got Sam Johnston there, haven't you? As backup, so um, you never know. But yeah, if if you're willing to take that risk, which I think it would be. Yeah, I like it, personally. I think because we've what we've mentioned with the Palace fixtures and how good their defence was last season. I think having a, a Palace defender or keeper is, is good.
0: Yeah, I find it hard to remove my bias in this one. I, I just don't think Greta's that good. And I think it's mm-hmm. mentioned a lot on Twitter that there's a chance he could come out. And we did see it last season that it happened. But I do think at the same time, he also had a bit of a finger injury. So it kept sort of plaguing him a little bit and he'd be in and out. I think I'm tainted, similar to what I said before, is I got him instead of Ramsdale, I think, halfway through the season because their underlying data was better than Arsenal's and he had better fixtures, and it was absolutely tragic. Now, I shouldn't let that affect me, but it does subconsciously, and I just think, therefore, Guita may lose his place at some point. And it's it's pretty much based on nothing, isn't it? It is not its a hunch, like you said, that Johnson's just a good goalkeeper and we feel like he can come in. Um, I think something that's been cited is his ability on set pieces and crossing, Guita doesn't come out and claim. But from what I understand about Sam Johnson, he doesn't do that either. So I don't think that would actually change anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's slightly risky. But if Guita suddenly is dropped and you miss one game, right? And let's say Everson isn't playing as well, you get super unlucky. You've essentially just booked yourself in one transfer in eight weeks to change that. And it might have to come in the form of a minus four. So if you're willing to risk four points on it, you know, because you think he's going to outscore the other goalkeepers by four points, then you just go for it, right? Because he it, it may just play, like you say, it may just continue to play. I think yeah. that is still the most likely scenario. Yeah. Um, Jack Walker saying, De Bruyne to Salah, game week 11. Sound okay?
1: Um, um, I... I'll just do it. Oh, sorry, go on, mate. you go first.
0: I mean, I, I had either De Bruyne to Salah down for this week if I could have done it uh, for my own team because of the injuries, I might not be able to do that. Alternatively, I had that down for... Um, game week 11 or 12. So I think yeah. in, in 11 they play Liverpool, don't they, or something?
1: They play that each way. other in 11, yeah.
0: Yeah. So switching De Bruyne to Salah for that week, I think I'd be more than happy to... I'd prefer to have Salah in that game. I think, first of all, he's at home. I think he's a better FPL pick in general than De Bruyne. And I think, you know, if you're just going for what's happened in previous games or whatever, he seems to give Cancelo a really, really hard time. Every time they play, Salah seems to perform and give Cancelo a, a real problem back there. So, you know, it's not, it's not like a, you have to do it one at all, but if you've got a luxury move, I'd certainly prefer to have him. So I think eleven's fine. And I think if you can't do it in 11, then twelve's also fine. I think, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you have to, you have to save it for a week. Then obviously Man City aren't playing and Salah is. So that's a no brainer if you get to that point.
1: Yeah. I would just do it in 12, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, they play each other. And also if there's one game you have to pick all season where you know De Bruyne is going to play it, um, it's going to be against Liverpool. It's going to be the biggest game of the season. So you don't need to be worried about rotation that week. So, I, similar to you, I prefer Salah, but I'd only do it if I felt I had absolutely nothing else to do, essentially. Yeah. So um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if that week if there's a better move you could do and just delay that by a week. Um, to bring, Particularly because Liverpool and City are playing each other, there might be another player you can bring in to start uh, that might improve that. Or maybe you try and improve depth because of rotation potentially in 12, as we've already mentioned. But... Yeah, it, it seems fine, but consider waiting until twelve as well. But we'd have to make that decision now. Yeah. Did we get any questions on Twitter at
0: all, Sam, that we could look at? Yep,
1: yeah, we've got a few here. So um from Mark, FPL Positivity. Is Madden is Madison an absolute must this game week? Is he worth a hit and losing a promising player like Trent or Tony? Um, um no. Not definitely me.
0: not, no, no. I mean, yeah, it's a great game on paper, but taking a hit for a one-week player, and he's not even, you know, we're not talking about, I know he's been doing well and he could easily score, but we're not talking about a player who, you know, usually is hitting three or four goals in the game and can completely decimate, you, you know, you haven't got Haaland home to Forest like me as captain, like an idiot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not something like that, I don't think. So, you know, starting a goal behind already on that, when it, it's quite easy that those players he's mentioned could outscore Madison. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's just a no. That's just an easy no
1: for me. It's an easy no because it's an easy no anyway for a minus four, I think. But for a minus four to replace two players that a lot of people are looking to buy at the moment, uh, two, two really good players in the game, I think it's a definite no, personally.
0: Yeah, you just ride it out.
1: So I think that's quite a straightforward one. Um, this one's interesting from FPL Gato. Um, often the impulse when dealing with a mid-priced injured player is to replace him straight away. With bench op- options like Andreas and Nico Williams, may it be prudent to wait a week, roll and assess landscape a bit with two free transfers flexibility? And he says he's talking about Isaac here. So you're actually in this position, I guess, yeah. yourself, League.
0: I am and I have considered that. Yeah, yeah, I have considered that because I because I want Salah quite a lot. I feel like I could do De Bruyne to Salah, bench Isaac, and just play Pereira. I think they're mm-hmm. home to Newcastle, aren't they? Uh, yeah. The thing is, I've got two Newcastle defenders. So that's i don't like that but i think it's certainly an option like that could end up outscoring it quite easily you know i I could do solanke in he could blank because you know bombers have been bad and salah could go mad versus um versus brighton and it'll be and especially if i put the armband on salah to do so as well um you know that that could be a quite a big difference there Mm -hmm. you know so yeah, it's an option I've considered, and I think if his team is set up in such a way where he's happy to play his first sub, I think that's fine. Especially because the price rises and falls, just non-existent at the moment. I think you'd probably be able to get to this. You know, Isaac doesn't look like he's going to go down. You know, you might you might have to do it the week after. Um, but yeah, if you're happy with the first sub, I think generally that's that's the more analytical way to play, isn't it? To try and bench your your transfers whenever you can, I mean, if you stick it into review at 1.5. Free transfer value. It generally will err on the side of keep your transfer because the information and the power of two transfers is more valuable. So, yeah, I think it's fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, I think um... Yeah, I think particularly with Andreas this week, basically. I probably wouldn't put Nico Williams in that category no. <laughs> necessarily most weeks. But yeah, I think particularly with Andreas at the moment and how attacking he is, in general, he's a he's a helpful player for that, isn't he? His first sub, which is why he's in most wild cards now, as well as being in people's teams at the beginning of the season. He's still a still a lovely option, particularly with those fixtures, for that reason.
0: Yeah, I think if you've got someone like Bailey instead of Pereira, I know his minutes are maybe slightly ifier, um, but he's playing Leeds. He's 4.7 million. I'd be happy to to bench play Bailey in that game, and then, you know, reassess next week. I think yeah. that's fine. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, we've we've covered a lot of these questions already. I just asked <laughs> this one just made me laugh from uh, at auto reclose FPL. Can Haaland cover Solanke? <laughs> it
0: um, remains to it remains to be seen. We'll,
1: we'll find out. We'll find out.
0: Depends on what manager he gets.
1: <laughs> yeah, Haaland's not Holland's not scored for a whole half of football for Man City. Yeah. Out of form at the moment.
0: Got it. Um, <laughs> it's going to happen at some point where Haaland blanks two weeks in a row. And I'm already looking forward to the threads to say whether we should ditch him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. If he's like, um, if he's rotated against Southampton, for example. Yeah. And then he'll probably like bang a hat trick in the Champions League against Copenhagen and, and then just maybe gets one assist in the next game because he's only got like an assist in two matches. It only takes that for those threats to come out.
0: Oh. <laughs> It's got to apply to everyone, right? If you apply that mantra where points scored are the most important thing in the world to you, if Haaland doesn't score for four weeks, then surely you have to take your own medicine. You have to be taking him out. Get him out. Uh, yeah. Best captain apart from Haaland, for me, is Salah.
1: I don't know. I... Yeah. I think I think if you've got both, I think it's really interesting. I haven't thought about it a lot because I don't own both. I think I'd be really, really tempted to go with Salah personally. I think, I think it's quite similar to... Last week with Kane and Haaland, I think it's just really close between the two of them. Um, uh, I just just about preferred Kane last week, so I went for him this week. I don't know which way I'd go. It's hard to think about properly when you don't either uh, own either, but I think I'd be really tempted to go with Salah.
0: Yeah, I'd be tempted as well. Interestingly, on the review team you gave me, obviously this will get updated as we get closer, but it's got Haaland for 7, 2, 7.2 points this week and Salah for 5.4, I think. It's so small on my screen, which is obviously a very significant number. So to review heavily, favours Haaland, which is surprising because it's been very pro Salah to this point. It, you know, that's based on Haaland at 77 minutes. So I think it's probably to do with the fact that given the nature of the game, you can be even more confident on his minutes. But that's a lot further away than I would have expected. I would have personally been tempted to look at Salah as well. Very very tempted.
1: Yeah. I've, I wonder if that has been moved forward a game week or something like that. I think it has been. I think that might be actually... So that's the game week nine wild card team, but I wonder if that's actually currently. Oh, on the... I see what you're saying. I think yeah. that might currently be on game week ten with those projections.
0: Okay, check just it out then, at... guys.
1: Yeah, I would just so I'd double check that. I think I think that's probably the case. Um, but yeah, I think it's close between those two. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it shouldn't be that far. That would that that makes sense to me. But
1: yeah, okay. uh, yeah, but I'm actually quite because I'm going to be captaining Holland. I'm quite excited to do it because I've gone against him quite a lot this season and was went with Salah for too long. Well, i would backed my decision now, and then last week, it's just so nerve-wracking when you don't own him, because you just know, like, he could, last week, even not owning him last week, I think he was playing, he played Wolves, didn't he?
0: Yeah, and they had someone sent off as well.
1: Yeah, they had someone sent off in the first half, or early mm-hmm. in the second half, he'd already scored one. You're thinking when you don't own him, like, he could score four goals here, because mm-hmm. he can <laughs> So He's just so scary, he's so scary not to captain, uh, and felt very nerve, felt very nerve-wracking, so I was proud of myself for holding my nerve. Um, but I'm excited for Captain even just relaxing when
0: he's playing. <laughs> I've just checked it out, actually. sat. Yes, yeah, so you're right. So we were on yeah. a different week there. So Salah's on 7.1 and Haaland's on 6.9. So close enough where it's barely barely noticeable. And given this will update as we get closer as well. So, yeah, yeah. tough, tough, tough to Maybe see. Maybe have it. a little
1: think about how many minutes he plays tonight then. Might be worth considering, which will probably be 90. I've seen any place in Norway.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a problem against Man United, though, is there? Unless unless it's sports science, like we've always already mentioned. Um, yeah. David Hughes has said, thoughts on Pats and Dakar, or just get Solanke? And I think he started the last two, hasn't he, Dakar, if I remember rightly? Um, yeah, he could continue to play. And obviously, the Forest game is fantastic. But I don't think it's anything other than the punt, unless we get information that um, he's going to start. Sometimes we get less leaks, don't we, from, um, mm. remind me, who is it, Sam? What's it? Can you remember? Sam Martin, um, Sam, Sam Martin. Sam Martin, that's it. name escaped me for a second. Sorry, Sam, if you watch. Yeah, sometimes we get information. So if he's in the team, fine. But, you know, he's a player that could come out at any point during that run. It isn't just for one week, isn't it? So you, you could potentially be booking a transfer. I think he's a fantastic player. I think I think the obvious answer is just to be boring against Solanke, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Nothing nothing more to add on that, personally. No. Um, yeah, in terms of other questions, I think we've covered most other questions we've got on Twitter as well within the uh, actual podcast itself. Okay. Uh, so I think, we're all, I think we're all good.
0: Let's wrap it up then, bud. Do you want to give us the outro and, you know, all the smash that We need some more subscribers and likes, Sam. Not, we've, been, we've been slacking on that regard. We haven't even bothered to, to try and get people to watch this.
1: We are actually on 951 subscribers on YouTube, so it'd be nice to get up oh, nice. to 1,000, I guess. Um, that'd be nice. And, um, yeah, one last Update quickly on the review team that we run, where we just do what the review team recommends. It had an absolute disaster on wildcard. So, just to update you on that, the team got it wildcarded in eight, it only got 41 points, and it's, it's had wow. really bad luck with captaincy all week, all um season. Sorry, it's captained, it had Kane from the beginning and kept captaining Kane and didn't own Haaland, and then and now owns Haaland and Solanke and went down that route straight away rather than in nine, nine and doesn't have Kane. And Captain Harland last week didn't have Kane. Has triple Newcastle defence. <laughs> had that wiped out last week. So it had a pretty brutal week, but it looks well set up um, as well. And it kept Salah on the wild card, even wild card in eight, which most people didn't do, which again is quite interesting.
0: Yeah, on the bench. Yeah.
1: Yeah, just, just kept him and benched him. Um, so I guess whether it captains Harland or Salah will de- depend uh, whether those minutes are adjusted uh, on the website before um, before the weekend.
0: Yeah, at the moment it will be Salah. It might have the last laugh. It usually does. <laughs> we'll see. All right, thanks for that, guys. Thanks for joining it, uh, joining us. If you could, uh, like we mentioned, drop us a like, add some comments if you can, just share it out and about. Me and Sam really haven't got the energy to even bother sharing it, apparently. So if you could do that for us, that would be awesome. Uh, and we'll continue to try and churn uh, these out and um, during the season. And it's going to get hectic, isn't it? I think you're away for the next two weeks, so I'm going to have to find a substitute.
1: Mm-hmm. I am, I'm afraid. Yeah. So there'll be someone else filling in for me the next two weeks and then I'll then I'll be back hopefully with a few good game weeks under my belt. We'll see. Love it.
0: Love um, it. Positivity.
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks for everything for listening, everyone. Really appreciate it. And yeah, good to be good to be back podcasting. We actually said we'd podcast last week <laughs> and then forgot that it was an international break. Yeah. Um, Sue um, us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there'll be plenty to discuss for you and whoever it is after this weekend as well. Um yeah, and thanks everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. All the best.
0: Catch you later, guys. Bye bye.